Hello. The Old Testament reading for today comes from Psalm 34, which can be found on page 554 in your pew Bible of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading this morning is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. It's found on page 1222. Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. God, as we wrestle with your word this morning, uh, may 
The words of my mouth and the meditation of our collective hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My friend Verna passed away earlier this year. Uh, She was just 64 years old. And Verna struggled with a number of health challenges in her life. Uh, She was born in Iowa, and she recalled to me uh, as a child sitting in church, not unlike this, listening to missionaries as they would come and visit and share about uh, their work around the world in faraway lands. And Verna dreamed herself of becoming a missionary one day. So she came to Grand Rapids, enrolled in Reformed Bible College, But it was at Reformed Bible College that things started to change for Verna. She started seeing things that weren't there. She started hearing voices when no one was in the room. Her thoughts started to betray her, to tell her lies. And after months of struggling, Verna was diagnosed with schizophrenia. She was able to manage the effects of her illness with medication and with therapy, But in the 25 years that we went to church together and went to Bible study together, she struggled. And I saw her struggle. Sometimes she wasn't so faithful at taking her medications and things would get really hard. She could be really difficult to be around. But God taught me so much through my friend Verna, through our Bible studies and the ways that she shared her testimony about how God was still active and visible and working in her life in spite of her illness. Psalm 34 was my friend Verna's favorite psalm. This one fact makes me smile because this is a psalm of David, a psalm that he wrote uh, thanking God for saving him after he had been saved from Abimelech, someone who was trying to kill him. And what's great about that is that to be saved from Abimelech, David pretended to be crazy, to be insane. And I think of my friend Verna picking this as her favorite and smile, because sometimes people write us off as crazy or insane, and all the while God knows what God is doing. This psalm was also David's testimony about how God had rescued him. My friend Verna wasn't rescued from mental illness during her life on this earth, not until she passed away. But she found comfort in these words, in this psalm, in the ways that David invites others to join him in praising God for what God has done, not unlike my friend did. But in order to praise God, David has some instructions to give. He says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. David knew the power in the words that we speak, and he saw the destruction that lies could work in people's lives. We cannot give God praise with our lips while speaking destruction into the lives of others. David also said, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it, because David knew as well as anyone that the pursuit of more and more does not bring peace but brings disappointment, dissatisfaction, brings a sense of never having enough. Instead of seeking the things that will never fully satisfy us, David says, pursue peace. 
And David invites people to invest their faith, to invest their hope in God alone. And to illustrate, he calls to mind an image of young lions in their prime, strong and loud with a huge appetite. If you have ever lived with teenage boys, you know what I mean. (laughs) Huge appetite, strong and loud. So here David says that when you place your trust in God, all of your needs will be provided for, even when it feels like enough will never be enough. With God, enough can be enough. Your cravings can be satisfied. The world will no longer hold that luster for you because God has that for you. David knew that where our trust lies, that where we find our hope matters. So he distinguishes the fear of God from the fear of longing for more, of never having enough. And he points out that if people are placing their hope in the things of this world, they will be disappointed. Some hunger only breeds more hunger, whether for stuff or power or success or even just security. Because those things cannot satisfy us the way that God can. And even when we obtain those things, we will still be left empty because they will never last. And this is the first lesson we hear in this psalm this morning. Be careful where you place your hope. Everything we have is a gift from God. But when those gifts become the goal, rather than something that helps us to get closer to God, to understand and appreciate God, they become idols. And David is warning us against this idolatry, this exchange of faith and trust in God for faith and trust in the world. Because David knew that everything has the potential to become an idol in our lives, even good things like church and Bible study and prayer and ministry. Anything can be misused and get in the way of our relationship with God. There are things that, when taken one by one, may seem harmless, or maybe that, like they're not such a big deal, but anything has the potential to become a big deal when it eclipses our relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. And this brings us to the second lesson we hear from David today. We need to recognize what God has done in our own lives in order to testify to others. When we fail to recognize the good things that God has done for us and to testify about the power of God in our lives, we are robbing God of the praise that God is due, both from us and from those we have the power to impact. When we fear other things like our reputation, like embarrassing ourselves or being vulnerable to others, more than we fear God, We are failing to do the one thing that God has created us to do, to give God glory. I used to plan worship at my former church, and last summer I wanted to invite a few people up front to share brief stories of their profession of faith. Just one or two minutes, remembering their profession of faith, why it mattered then, and why it still matters now. So I started with the elders and deacons and thought, okay, I will definitely find some people here. I don't need to ask anyone else. I asked nine people, and I got two yeses. 
Now, I know that speaking in front of the whole church can be intimidating, but I also know that we can do all kinds of things through Christ who gives us strength, and that we should be ready at any moment, like it said in 1 Peter this morning, to give a testimony about what God has done in our life. It doesn't have to be this big, grand story of I once was lost, I now am found, I once was horrible, and now I'm good. It can just be something as simple as, this week, I really messed up. And then my husband pointed it out to me. And then I realized it. And then I repented before God. It doesn't have to be much. I fail at this all the time. I fail to take opportunities to give God the praise and the glory and to testify to what God is doing in my life. But thankfully with God, our failures are God's starting points. The good news for us this morning, according to David, is that when we fail to do what God asks us, God steps in. In our absence, the Lord answers and delivers. Rather than allowing us to be cloaked in shame, grief over our behavior, God grants us radiance. David says God hears us, God saves us, God protects us, and God delivers us. Now, I want you to notice how David says here that God did not only deliver him from the feeling of fear, but God delivered him from all of the things that he feared. And that's a big deal. God's deliverance is a big deal. And in Psalm 34, David testifies that God has delivered him from trouble, and because of that, he gives God all the praise. More than that, David invites other people to praise God with him, the God who protects, the God who delivers, the God who fulfills his promises that justice will be served. If we fear God, David is saying, we don't have anything else to be afraid of. David says, taste and see. God is so good. Look what God has done. Recognize the way God has provided for you, the hope that you've been given. God delivered David from his seemingly endless hunger, and David found peace in the promises of God, promises he saw fulfilled in his own deliverance, in the refuge God provided him, and in God's rescue. In verse 20, David utters these prophetic words, saying, God protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. One of my seminary professors pointed out that this is pointing to Christ, that while Christ suffered on the cross, not one of his bones was broken. He was protected from that. And Christ came from the lineage of David. Not one of his bones was broken, pointing us to the larger truth as followers of Christ, a truth that David knew well. There is no power that Satan has over us that is greater than God's power. God is ultimately in control and promises to protect us even when it doesn't feel like it. David did a powerful thing with his testimony. He shared what God had done with his life and called on others to join him in praising God. While our faith is deeply personal, it is never meant to be private. It's always meant to be lived out in relationship with others. And the ways we live our faith in community 
provide us opportunities to invite others to join us in praising the one who is worthy of all praise. The message of this psalm is summarized in its final verse. The Lord rescues his servants. Not one of them who finds refuge in him will be condemned. The last time I saw my friend Verna was on the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. We were hosting our first church service outside, and I actually heard Verna before I saw her. She yelled, Shannon, I'm in church! She was in her power chair, and she came toward me as fast as she could, wearing a huge smile on her face, because she was so excited to be among God's people again. While it wasn't always easy for Verna to get to church, weekly worship was the highlight of her week, because Verna knew the Lord rescues his servants. No one who finds refuge in the Lord will be condemned. And like Verna, we are called to recognize what God is doing in our lives, to testify to it, to always be prepared to share with others what God has done and is doing. Now, I know that it's challenging. I've been through a couple months of questioning everything, of thinking God had called me to one thing and having that hope squelched and being broken and feeling broken. In spite of this promise, not one of your bones will be broken. I've certainly felt that. But God is still good in that. We don't know what his provision will look like. We don't know what the future will look like. And on those mornings when God's promises seem to be null and void, God is still there. Even in the silence. You may think you have a boring testimony that you don't have anything exciting to share about being rescued by God. But stop. Take a moment. Look at your life. Start to maybe write down every day the things that you see, that you notice, that might go in and out of your mind. But record them. Take time to reflect on what God has done and is doing in your life. More than maybe rote practices of prayer or Bible study. Stop. Look to God. Seek God's face. Because there is where we find that God is constantly, consistently delivering us, even from ourselves. God has delivered all of us for a purpose, and part of that purpose is sharing the stories of our salvation so that others might come to know God the way that we know God. How wide and broad and deep the love of God is for all of us, all of us who find our hope in him. I was recently reading a book by Ellen Davis where she talked about this uh, biblical scholar who looks at the word heart in the Bible. Um, in the Old Testament, it's, it's lev in Hebrew, and in the New Testament, it's cardia. And he talked about how That word we often think of, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that heart often uh, becomes a notion of feeling or emotion to us. But the scholar asks, what if heart means imagination? Because if you look at the way heart is used throughout the scripture, it really fits in line more consistently with that. What does it mean to love God with your imagination? Because that's what hope is. It's imagining more, imagining beyond what we can see, 
because that's who God is. That's what God's deliverance is and what it looks like. The Lord rescues his servants. No one who finds rescue and refuge in God will be condemned. Let's pray. God, thank you for your rescue. Thank you for your deliverance. Even in those times where we don't always feel it or see it, where we can't tangibly grasp it in our lives, God, we know you're there, even in the silence. Give us words to utter, even if only to ourselves, God, to remember and to recognize who you are and what you've done and what you are doing and what you will continue to do in our lives. Give us hearts to imagine, hearts filled with hope. God, we love you and pray all of this in the powerful name of our only Savior and Deliverer, Jesus Christ. Amen.